0: Kia ora Aotearoa and welcome to Generally Famous, a Stuff podcast. I'm Simon Bridges and every week I talk to a generally famous but always interesting guest about life, love and what makes them tick. Today, top Kiwi chef who's worked in restaurants in Auckland, London, Singapore and Sydney and Melbourne, but who then got bored in lockdown and started cooking and posting clips only to now have many millions of followers, and over a billion views on the likes of TikTok uh, and YouTube. Andy Cooks, welcome. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for having me, mate. Hey, of course, Andy, your real name to your schoolmates back here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, is Andy Herndon, yeah, but you're much better known as Andy Cooks, and it's got a much better ring to it. I mean, <laughs> not to abuse your real name. No, no my uh, my last name is a bit of a mouthful. It's not particularly common. Where did you... um? And I know the answer to this because I just asked you before off here, But where'd you grow up? Uh, I, I was born in
1: Wellington. Uh, I'm sorry. And, no, 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 Wellington's a fantastic city. What are you talking about? That's why you live in the Sunshine Coast now. Correct. Right? Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I was born in Wellington in the 80s, and then I moved mid 80s, and then I moved to Auckland when I was about 10 years old. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, where were you? In, where were you in Auckland? Uh, around the like, Pakuranga Howick area.
0: I had. Uh, this might be entirely wrong. I saw this thing. You you said somewhere, I think, about your family being
1: poultry farmers. Yes, correct. Yeah, so my family. Run me through that. Yeah, so in Foxton, so just an hour north of uh of Wellington, they own a, a poultry farm called Turks Poultry Farm. So I, I grew up, and school holidays been shipped out to the poultry farm to help on the farm, and have pretty fine memories. But it's a it's a it's a sizable business now. We, it's in most of the supermarkets. I'm pretty sure they're chicken. So.
0: And did that sort of have, I mean, I don't want to psychoanalyse the poultry farm too much, but did that have any effect on you in terms of what you did? Was it kind of a, you, does it have any influence now? You sort of think that you, you, you're traumatised by chicken or you still, actually I know you're not because I've seen you do a
1: good roast chicken in the oven. Yeah, no, I think it had a positive effect. I think it taught me how to work hard from a young age and it taught me to appreciate where your food comes from. So food's always been a big part of, uh, of my life. Yeah, you weren't a, you weren't a townie who sort of thought that
0: chicken came no. out of a packet. No, no, definitely not. Um, milk came out of a carton, and that was sort of they. Yeah, no more thought than that. Um, what are your first food experiences? When you think what what can what can you remember? Well, your first memories, I should say. You remember kind of the um, things you used to love to, and it's all right if they were baked beans <laughs> from a can or. Yeah.
1: No, no, we didn't grow up eating lavish food, but we did always grow up eating around the table, which uh, is something that I think is lost. So I have really yep. good memories of eating, even eating breakfast before school around the table with my brothers and sisters, um, yep. you know, and, and mum used to make a big pot of porridge and you'd kind of help yourself from that in the winter. It was pretty cold in Wellington. <laughs> obviously. Uh, yes. so- So, yeah, I think just, just eating with family. Um, and then also, I guess, sometimes the argument. Whereas that, now
0: what, Andy? You're eating sort of a quinoa or yeah,
1: something for
0: breakfast, that, are you? Or? That,
1: but I, I, I <laughs> have black coffee for breakfast most days because I kind of eat all yeah, right. yeah.
0: You're a real chef. Yeah, yeah. Do you smoke? No, I've never smoked, never, no. Good on you. Well, I just have this perception that, you know, and you have got the tats. A good <laughs> chef needs a lot of tats and – um <laughs> Uh, and, and smokes. I, I, this has got nothing to do with anything. But if you've watched on, um, uh, it's on Disney Plus. They they should owe me a royalty or something for this. the beer.
1: <laughs> I haven't watched the beer. No, no, I'm not a huge TV guy to be honest. I uh, right. Yeah, I oh,
0: it's it- it's um it's bloody good. It's um it's about a dude, I can't think what his name is. Um and he's um he, he troubled background. We went cooking at the best restaurant, chefing at the best restaurants, but like you really, not that I'm saying you had a troubled background. <laughs> and uh, and then sort of comes back to his home kind of restaurant and all the stuff that goes with that and the, the Detroit's in Chicago. Anyway, that's um that's I digress. Um and what would your mum make for dinner?
1: Uh pr- pretty simple stuff, you know, uh, deviled sausages and Roast chickens, oft, often um, chili con carne, that that type of stuff that was pretty prevalent, and I'm sure still is, you know, in, in uh, suburban middle class New Zealand.
0: And how does that does that have an effect on what you do today? Do you sort of sit there and um, try and
1: get back to that deviled sausages meal uh, in your in your cooking? Def, definitely, I think it's come full 360 for me. So you know, uh, when I started making videos, it was became pretty obvious pretty quickly that people don't want to see. Uh, fancy food. They they want ideas for what they can eat for dinner. So and, and it's, it's stuff that's achievable, but that maybe just has a, a a little chefy twist that that kind of elevates it a little bit. So that that's kind of what you focus on now. Yeah,
0: I I get that. I mean, that's what I got from it. It was stuff that I thought better than I could do, but I could do this watching you, yeah. right? And yeah. that was yeah. And, it's, and you're right about that sort of dinner table thing. I mean, we um, I'm far from model parent to my 11, 9, and 5-year-old. But um, I think one thing we do basically get right, certainly in the weekends and at yep. a level in the week, is um, we eat together.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's a good time. And I'm, I've, I'm a little bit um, anal about it, really, because I sort yep. of sort of make a point of going around and kind of trying to engage each one in there. Um, you know, what have you been up to? What are you sort of, what's going on in your life? And um, no, it's it's. I suppose we're so busy these days.
1: Yeah, it's that's exactly it. Um, And then, and I've just released a cookbook, and that's kind of the premise of the cookbook is about bringing people back to the table Um, because it had a huge impact on me in my life. Uh, It does not that I have kids, but it does feel like that traditions often lost in iPads and. And all the other stuff that goes along with being a parent these days that I see from, you know, my friends and family who have kids. Um, so I think good on you for for trying to um, engage with the kids at the dinner table. I think it's a super important place to have a conversation. We do. And my
0: kids are very entitled. We get out and eat out um, quite a lot as well. But um, So that's uh, that's good. You went to, and actually when I speak of that, we eat out, Andy, in Newmarket. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of good um, uh, Asian eateries and other eateries as well. Um, and actually, it's not not that expensive. But you went to chef school in Newmarket.
1: I did Auckland Chef's Hotel and Training College. I think that's what it's called. I think it's gone now. But uh, yeah,
0: was it a good was it a good training?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was pretty short. It's kind of different to the training in the rest of the world. It was like one year, um, and I was like fresh out of school for the first time in my life. Had a bit of um, anonymity, or, or you know, I had had could manage my own time and probably abuse that a little bit, but. Um, but it, you know, it taught me the basics. But I've always kind of said that I think chef school's important. But it's, it's, I learn how to cook in kitchens, not in chef school. Right.
0: Yeah. Run us through your chefing career. I mean, it's have I got this? I mean, was it a fifth, about fifteen years in in top fancy restaurants?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, probably closer to twenty, I think. But uh, right. it, it started pretty grassroots and cafes. So. Uh, I worked at a cafe called Ed Brown's in Botany Down, and then uh, there's a gentleman by the name of Troy uh, who owned that cafe. He ended up going and buying a very famous cafe in Ponspeed called Dizenkoff. so I kind of followed him there and yes. worked there for a while. So from Dizenkoff I left, I, I ran to to Europe, so I went to, to London, um, and that's where I really kind of learned how to cook, and uh, I worked for a guy called Tom Atkins for, for a number of years. and. Worked at one of Richard Branson's restaurants called The Roof Gardens, um, and then I worked at a restaurant called Eastern and Oriental in Notting Hill, um, and then a few other spots before I before I made the move back to Australia. So. And
0: and were they um, were they like we sort of see in the? I mean, were they you know high pressure, hard work, long hours, people with substance abuse problems? was I mean, is that what we're dealing with?
1: Yep. Yep. Exactly that. Uh, so I was 21 when I landed in, in those restaurants and, uh, and it was straight into it. It was, you know, huge hours, you know, 80, 90, hundred hours a week, uh, you know, no breaks, uh, you know, very, very full on work, high stress, um, and and borderline abusive, I'd say. Um, mm. I, I, Do you think that's changed? Uh, yeah, it's massively changed. I think it still exists, but it's definitely changed. You, you kind of can't treat people like that, and rightfully so. Uh, so it's definitely which is changed. what yelling at them. Yep, yelling at them, uh, and then to, to the point of kind of physical abuse. I think sometimes, not that I, you know, I witnessed that too many times, but um, definitely like punch-ons between comrades, if that makes sense. Uh but yeah, but there's a lot of yelling, a lot of high pressure. Um and it was just the norm. You know, that's just kind of how how people uh operated those kitchens for a long time. Um
0: You obviously worked it well though because you got to be head chef at a bunch of places is my
1: yeah, understanding I, of things. I have a uh I performed really well under those scenarios. I, I quite like the pressure and and I and I I know how to work hard. So I think I kind of, I did okay. Um, And then, yeah, I had my first head chef job at 24 at a restaurant called the Great Asian Dining Room, which I still to this day say I was far too young for. Um, But, you know, I I got it and I I held that job for a couple of years um, before taking a step back, kind of realizing it was probably a bit above my maturity or management level. So I went back to like a senior sous chef role where I wasn't quite running the brigade, but um, yeah, like like a lot of management jobs, you don't actually get taught how to be a manager; you just kind of get thrown into it, and that was certainly yes. the case.
0: And and so by that point, in time though, and you know, over that twenty years, you, you're you're a top. What are, what do we call you? Classical chef. I mean, you can do the I don't know the fancy French stuff through to the you know Asian cuisine and and all the rest.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've got a pretty broad kind of uh, repertoire of dishes. I was definitely wasn't a you know uh, uh, focus on one area, um, but yeah, but by, by that point, I had a pretty pretty, pretty good understanding of cookery and, and, and you know in general speaking.
0: And then you're back um, to, well, not back. We're back to this part of world mm. and into Aussie. Yep. And, um, I, and I I'd saying to you off there, you know, I remember you worked at some top restaurants there in Sydney and Melbourne. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, I remember hazily um, some good French wine at yep. uh a top French uh, restaurant. Mm-hmm. And what, is Caitlin, your wife, um, she in Aussie?
1: She's an Aussie. She, she's from the Sunshine Coast. That's how we right. ended up back here. But, yeah, I left the UK and needed to probably get closer to home but probably wasn't quite ready to, to hit New Zealand shores again full time. So I landed in Sydney um, and, and only lasted about a year in Sydney. I kind of didn't I didn't love Sydney back then. I think the food scene was a bit uh, immature and a bit brash, I guess. Probably didn't have as much soul. So I moved to Melbourne and and really fell in love with that city. How do you assess that now? I think the. I was actually just talking about the other day. I was just in Sydney, and I think the food scene in Sydney's actually post COVID is better than Melbourne. So, um, which is an interesting change. But I think. What do you think has changed? I, I was in Sydney in January. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I, I you know, think just phenomenal. I think COVID just really, really took the soul out of Melbourne. It was so sad to see, but. Mm. Um, it was a super difficult time for the whole industry, um, including the job that I was working at the time. But it uh, it really ripped the soul out of it, and, and to, to be when I was saying the soul, it actually just ripped the workforce out of it. So, hospitality industry in most parts of the world is is kind of built on on, on immigrants and people that aren't from that that area. And uh, the Australian government just booted them all out and didn't give them much of a of a fighting chance. So uh, understandably, they've kind of stayed out. So it's, uh, it's, and it's pretty hard for restauranteurs now without the labor force there.
0: How do you sort of see that sort of Sydney, Melbourne versus, uh, you know, I would be back a bit in Auckland. I mean, mm. what's the scene like here as opposed to those ones? You have much of a sense of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have spent a little bit of time back in New Zealand since, since kind of uh, in, in, in the last year. Um, it does. It's Auckland's. It's obviously such a smaller population that it's. It's. Mm. I think it's still hard, but uh, it's definitely getting better. There's. I think my generation has. You know, has started to come back to New Zealand, which has been a big help. Whereas, uh, in the years gone, everyone kind of just left and never, no one came back. Um, but there's some fantastic restaurants. You know, like the stuff that like Ben Bailey and and some of those guys are doing is. You know. It's phenomenal. You know, I had had a meal at his restaurant and uh, a few months ago, and I was blown away. It was you know one of the best meals I've had all year. So,
0: what's that? What's that restaurant called?
1: Uh, I think it's called Ahi. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's fantastic.
0: Yes, I've been there. Like the wine means I don't remember that that, that well either, <laughs> yeah. but it was it was quite good. Um, and of course we talked about lockdown. Run us through your lockdown. I mean, I yeah. sort of have a sense of the story and how, you know, social media
1: happened, but run us through that. So Caitlin and myself were in Melbourne. We both had big corporate jobs. So I was kind of the executive chef slash head of food and beverage for a big restaurant group. So we had 100 and over 100 venues around Australia and New Zealand, but mainly based at airports. Uh, obviously, that was one of the first industries to go, so I lost my job pretty quickly. Uh, and Caitlin was working for a big company as well but she was a contractor so she lost her contract pretty quickly too really early on in the pandemic and it was a pretty strange feeling to be honest it was um you know we had you know life was going well we both had you know decent jobs and we had lives you know established in Melbourne and all of a sudden it was all kind of ripped away uh like you know it was for a lot of people around the world it was pretty prevalent to me that that this COVID thing wasn't a two-month blip in the in the road it was going to be you know carry on for a while so we weren't going to get jobs anytime soon so we packed the cars up and just left Melbourne and came to the Sunshine Coast and in hindsight it's probably the best decision we've ever made because uh, Melbourne was you know horrendous through COVID for, for you know a year 18 months and we managed to kind of avoid it all. Um, so then we kind of got to the Sunny Coast and just kind of took six months to you know just gather ourselves and you know we did a bit of traveling around the around the state and and then I've always been a huge uh, consumer of content. So one day it was that classic. Caitlin was like, you know, as being a, a sideline ref, just like you know, saying, "Oh, this is this is no good. This is rubbish. I can do better." And she was like, "We'll do it." <laughs> so so I did, and I and I I went into it like I do with most things, where I, you know, really attacked it and went very hard after it. Um, and, and here we are now. <laughs> so it's um it's been I I've, I've posted my first intentional piece of content. I call it on I think it was the 11th of November 2021 and that's you know less than two years away and we've got well over 13 million followers in total now so
0: it's phenomenal I mean phenomenal success on the likes of TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube um, and, and watches I think are over a billion right I mean this is un- unbelievable um, how does that feel
1: it's all pretty surreal to be honest and and it's one of those it's all happened so fast I don't often kind of sit back and reflect on it too much um I think now it's just you kind of have to realize the influence that you do have and you have to be very cautious of it you know and um and the stories that you tell. And if you're representing other cultures uh, and their, and their food, you have to be pretty sensitive to it and make sure you get it right. Cause I think, you know, there's, have you
0: there's, ever got that wrong?
1: Yeah, definitely. You sit a citizen, look at it and say, Oh,
0: that one kind of didn't.
1: Definitely. You know, and, and you, you know, really quickly, right. That's the good thing about this content is that you get instant feedback. So, you know, and, and there's always trolls. There's always, you know, and everyone's grandmother does that particular dish differently. But, you know, every now and then you do get it fundamentally wrong. So, you know, we try and go back and and fix our mistakes. Uh,
0: We've talked a little bit about what you do. I mean, I'd see everything there, Um, um, you know, from kind of Asian fusion through to kind of what I would consider, I don't know, North African, is it, through um, American diner, a bit better than your average American diner, but American. So, so, I mean, what do you say about – your, your cooking and what, what it is you're sort of seeking to put on um, on the content that y- you do.
1: I, I kind of try and sub it up as, uh, as the content that we produce is to, just to inspire and, and somewhat educate the everyday home cook or passionate foodie uh, how to cook better at home. You know and it's uh it's as simple as that it's trying to ask that answer that you know lifelong question that everyone has of, of what's for dinner you know, and if I can kind of inspire someone to try something different out of their normal repertoire um, then then that then my mission is accomplished and bring pleasure and
0: love really to their their family their whanau.
1: absolutely absolutely
0: and what's you know um would you agree I mean when I looked at it um, and, and a variety of the things you're doing, it's, um, as I said, it's better than I could do, and that's not particularly hard, but but I look at it and say, yeah, but I could do that. Mm. But it's not French fine dining. I mean, you're not reducing something 19 times or, no. No. or the like. Yeah. No. One thing you said I really liked was, quote, just because you're a top chef doesn't, make you a great home cook yeah. and vice versa. Give me, give me a sense of that.
1: Well, it started with right in this early part of COVID. Uh, I was bored and in our apartment in Melbourne. We had nothing else to do and I don't sit still very well. So I just started, you know, chefs famously don't cook at home much, right? So all of a sudden I found myself having to cook at home and, and, and being really adventurous because I was, you know, right, I'm going to make a chicken burger. So I'll make every single component of that chicken burger from scratch. And, and it pretty quickly became obvious that I wasn't a great home cook because cooking in the domestic kitchen is very, very different to cooking in a commercial kitchen. You know, I have much, you know, vastly different processes uh, and, and a lot of chefs don't understand this. You know, they so, so that, you know, that was that light bulb moment for me. It's like, well, then this is probably a piece of content around this. It's like, let's bring everyone on this journey of me becoming a better home cook um, with my experience as a professional chef.
0: What do you think makes a great sort of um, home dinner party or just
1: family around the table um, cook? I think just having an understanding of, of, of preparation, making sure that you're ready and doing everything you can so that you can sit at the table as well and enjoy it with your family. So I think often people who aren't, like, practiced that at entertaining especially end up getting super flustered right before everyone gets there. And then yeah. you don't enjoy it yourself, and then that immediately has an effect on the dynamic of the whole room. Um, and the other thing that I'm passionate about with with entertaining is when people uh, often don't get the music right, <laughs> which sounds strange, yes. but it's all about setting moods, right? So um, just having music on, and it doesn't have to be loud or obnoxious, or you know, I think it's just just sets a mood and sets. A, what are we talking? What would you be playing? Oh, look, I'm a I'm a I'm a huge hip hop fan. I, I, I pretty much exclusively listen to hip hop. But oh, yeah. um, but for, for dinner parties it's like, you know, gurus jazz Matez or something kind of jazz based, so that it's kind of, you know, just a bit more chill than than some gangster rap playing mm. in the background. <laughs> I suppose it depends what kind
0: of dinner party you're trying to create.
1: Exactly. If I had my high school mates around, it would definitely be some pretty obnoxious gangster rap. But if I had my mother in law (laughs) around, it probably wouldn't be. (laughs) Would it
0: affect the food you're serving? I mean, what would be, what would, what would, what would be, what would sort of, you know, we do
1: wine and food pairings. What's a wine (laughs) and gangster rap pairing? Oh, I think, I think you're just thinking like, you know, briskets and mac and cheese and, you know, (laughs)
0: cornbread. I almost want to put the music to that. I was about to start voicing it, but I thought, no, Simon, no, let's be mature. Um, on your food, I mean, I've sort of already said it, but it could be Moroccan Bazaar, it could be Asian market, it could be a, 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 an Aussie restaurant uh, or an American diner. So what would you say about the dishes you do?
1: Uh, I think it's, it's a bit of everything. It's, re- it's really not narrowed down to one style. I just think it's just tasty food that's often, you know, I like to make it really uh, uh, intrusive to sharing. You know, I think there's nothing better than having a, like a, a table that's covered in really nice food that everyone can just kind of dig in and help themselves to. But it's just it's just about being tasty. Like it's, that's, the, that's the key to it. And there's so much tasty food out there.
0: And, and your shtick is not I mean, you're not saying f**k every three seconds, no. you're not Gordon Ramsay. you're no. not um you're not sort of doing a camp style or anything. I mean, is it maybe um ordinary guy bloke sort of routine, which is authentic and empowering for, you know, good ordinary blokes like Chris, my producer, and I.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly it. It's exactly it. And, you know, and on that, you know, the, this cussing. You know, I have a potty mouth like most chefs, but there's a conscious decision not to 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 cuss online mm-hmm. because I think it needs to be a, a you know approachable from everyone, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of we get a lot of fan mail from you know from kids your kids' age, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So I want that. I want to inspire young people as well. And as soon as you start cussing online, it starts getting censored and stuff. So yeah. there's just no need for yeah. it.
0: My children have never heard those sort of words, and, um, <laughs> and uh, I tell you what, watching the beer, there's a lot of it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and I have actually been. Watching, but someone will write to me and say, "What do you do? You show me." I've been watching it with my children, um, <laughs> which is uh, it's, it's it's. Other than that, it's reasonably um, reasonably harmless. Who's watching you? Oh. I mean, who are these billion sort of views? What, what, what are we? It,
1: yeah. Uh, so in general, it's uh, it's. Predominantly, not predominantly, but sixty-five percent male between the ages hmm. of twenty-five and forty-five. That's that's in general. It kind of breaks down a bit different in the different platforms, but in general, yeah, that's that's it. And and is it um, in terms, is it truly global or is truly it early- global, mate? Yeah, I think the biggest part of our audience is American, um, and then it's uh, oh. yeah, then it goes to the UK and then Australia, uh, and then it's literally all over the world. As a
0: result of that, have you changed your content at all? I mean, does that mean you've moved into those brisket burgers with double sort of hash mm. um, something or rather more than kind of the um, petite, light Asian cuisine or...?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have a natural fondness towards Southeast Asian cuisine. That's my kind of, I guess, my my go-to or favourite type of food to eat regularly. Uh, but at the end of the day, this uh, this is a business and I have people that work for us and we have, you know, monthly expenses. So we have to pay bills. And the reality is that the AdSense uh, is far more prominent from uh, the US and Europe. So we have to kind of cater those markets so that we can keep this business going. So, And and, I, and I'm not saying that to say that I don't like that food and I'm doing it. I'm forced to do it, but uh yeah. there is a, you have to kind of balance it so that the revenue is is balanced effectively
0: why do you think and don't be modest why do you think it grew so fast i mean you have phenomenal online success very quickly really it seems to me i mean my um i've seen it with businesses who are trying to go from 100 instagrams to 500 to 1000 and you know the usual times and tricks that 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 requires i mean you've gone to Millions um, in terms of views, a billion. Is it complicated, or were there just
1: two or three things you think that took you, gave you jumps, or what? Yeah, it's not complicated. It's consistency. So we post every day. Uh, mm. It's uh, being authentic uh, and just not trying to pull the wool over people's eyes. You know, like if you're if you're authentic and it comes across authentic, and I think that's what a lot of corporate and business accounts struggle with. Is that yes. that they're you know they're the face of a business rather than the face of a human. Um, so yeah, consistency, providing value, and being authentic.
0: You probably just answered it, but but um, what have you learnt um, about online content and what's required?
1: Uh, I've learnt that like anything in life, that you you have to be tenacious and you have to work hard at it to to be successful. Um, anyone that thinks that looks at any influencer. Uh, in whatever genre they are that's successful and thinks that they have a crazy life is vastly uh, misguided it's just not true you know it's it's um it's one of those jobs like any kind of small business that is that is literally 24 7 you know so we you know we work really hard we're always in the comments we're always online um, and i think that's the the thing that that because you know kids often these days say on a be a YouTube star, I wanna do this. It's like, well, that's great, but do you actually understand how hard it is? You know, we, we ha- you know, Touchwood, we have had fantastic success, but this hasn't come without sacrifice um, mm. and without, you know, a lot of really hard work. I might
0: be basically making this up, but I, I, I feel like I've heard Kim. You know, Kim Kardashian. She's taking like a thousand pictures yeah. to get that kind of one that they they sort of like. I mean, um, are you a one take wonder for TikTok, or is this? I mean, give us the truth here. Yeah. Were you, are you doing this twenty fricking times to get the right kind of thing, or and then are they blending them together, or how does that go?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, the, the videos are very heavily edited, right? It's uh, there's no there's no denying that. Um, But I do pride myself on if there is a line to deliver, I usually get it right the first time, not all the time. Uh, On the long format stuff that we do on YouTube, there's a bit more takes that go into it. and, th- and that's as we grow and as we get better, uh, that's the team wanting the best out of the video. So, you know, when we first started doing YouTube, it was just me and I would just kind of rub with it warts and all. But now the team are, are very much, you know, make sure that we get it, that I get it How right. How
0: big's the team? I mean, it's quite a big production.
1: Uh, no, we have three full-timers and two contractors. Right. So it's not huge. But I mean, and then myself and Caitlin work on, on it full-time as well. So. And I find this fascinating. I don't know if others will, but I mean, it's just
0: because this is sort of the game, you know, business often has to be in as well, my day job. I mean, what's, um, do different things work on different platforms? Is TikTok different, Insta to, I mean, obviously they are, but does that mean your content is changing?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, the platforms are very different, but uh, we post the same short video, so one minute or under to all four to four platforms. Uh, and sometimes that video will all go viral on all of them. Sometimes it will go viral on none of them. Sometimes it will go viral on one, but not the other. Um, but we just kind of can't, you couldn't, produce. you could, but without, you know, really an extensive amount of resource, you probably couldn't do, do different videos for different, um, platforms.
0: And different audiences have you managed to monetize this? I mean, are you is the private jet waiting outside right now, or you're still working on it? You're in me, I mean, it's yeah, run me through that because that's my you, you're at a level of success that I don't understand, but but down from that, my sense is it's actually quite hard to monetize.
1: Mm. So, so, to answer your question, yes, we we monetize it, you know, we employ, you know, including ourselves, five full timers. Um, so that's you know a big expense in itself. We have a studio that we pay for. Um, so no, there's no private jet. Uh, yes, we take salaries. Yet, yes. <laughs> but the, go- the the goal for the next foreseeable future is just to pump the money back into the business and to to invest in in people and equipment uh, to keep to keep this this train going. So, I mean, we we won't you know the other the other issue with this as a business is that. You know, you can. You know, a lot of people talk about. You know, the, the goal for most businesses is a you know, is an acquisition. No one, you, no one can buy this business, right? So, just because you can't buy my IP, so it's um, yeah, it's an interesting business model. It's kind of flipped on its head to a normal business where, the you know, the the, the in a normal business, a CEO at the top, if they disappear for whatever reason, they can go for six months, and it doesn't really matter. They'll eventually replace that person. Whereas this model's flipped on its head. And it's it's all on me effectively. And as soon as I ever disappear, the business collapses. So,
0: is it all you do, or are you still in the restaurant trade? Oh no, no, level? that's long,
1: that's long gone. That stuff. So yeah, it's all oh. I do.
0: Is that good? Yeah, or do you miss it on the auditor. You want to get back in behind the
1: the hob, whatever it is. I miss elements, mate. I miss the camaraderie. Uh, I miss the friendships that you make. Um, I miss the, the service pressure, like not all the time, but every now and then. But in general, no, it's good. I, I did, did my years uh, on the line in restaurants, and um, yeah, I was glad I got out when I did.
0: So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read
1: From Stuff, wherever you get your podcasts.
0: We're in a, you know, so-called, but but probably because it's the right words for it, um, cost of living crisis. You know, people Mm. find it very difficult. Um, I mean, what's your advice on that with cooking and how you... You know, you're a, maybe you're a young couple or a single, whatever you are, family, and and, and you're sitting there and you're trying to, um, y- you know, make good, nutritious, fun meals, but you're on a very limited budget.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, don't don't be afraid of um, buying bigger pieces of protein and breaking them down yourselves. You know, if you're a mm. single person, buy a whole chicken, break it down yourself, and. Um, you know, and, and, eat that throughout the week or free some of it. Um, don't be afraid of, of mince beef, you know, or, or minced anything. anything. Ki- Kiwis uh, definitely aren't afraid of mince, but, um, yes. I think it's, you know, for whatever, for whatever reason has had probably had a somewhat negative connotation in the recent years. I think that's largely to do with social media and everyone cutting up these giant, myself included, cutting up these ginormous pieces of Wagyu and trying to making it the norm. Um, but yeah, the, you know, we're really lucky to live where we do in Australia and New Zealand, that the, the quality of the produce, even though I'm, I know, especially in New Zealand, it's, it's really expensive, but the quality that we get is, um, is up there. And I think the other thing that we do badly in this part of the world is, is, is we have this expectation that you need to eat two, three hundred grams of protein a night. And I'm a big advocate for, um, for eating less amount of grammage of protein. But eating higher quality, Um, you know, Mm. if you think, look at like uh, Thai culture, for example, the, you know, a four nice sized prawns will feed a family of six. You know, you know Mm. that that type of it's just a much different way of looking at at protein. Um, And look at them; they're lean, mean, and attractive. Yeah, 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 exactly.
0: Not that I'm saying anything about you or and me, yeah. Andy. But uh, and and are there some underrated vegetables? And I mean, you've you mentioned the mints. By the way, I was at a relatively fancy um, cafe in Auckland this morning before mm. coming to see you, and um, they had mints and toast on the menu. Yeah. Just saying, yeah. you know, it has sort of at some level made a comeback. Yeah, and that that wasn't at bargain prices or anything. What what are there other underrated though when we talk about cost of living sort of vegetables go tos you would be putting in a meal.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I. Th- I mean, I'm a huge fan of, of kumara, sweet potato, and you know that mm. that type of stuff. And at this time of the year, and, and getting pumpkins and and things. Pumpkin, like that. yeah. Like why I was just going to say, but but the Yanks, you couldn't be putting that in your stuff.
0: The the Yanks wouldn't know what you're talking about. To them, it's only a sweet <laughs> Halloween. It's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, they'd be like, "You're roasting it to go with the chicken. You're a <laughs> <f-ing> nutcase." <laughs> That's what they would be saying. Yeah. yeah. But they've been missing out. I mean, this is my pommy. In laws, they yeah. like that. They yeah. don't understand the pumpkin. It's a wonderful one. Un- peas. Peas. I'm answering the question what? I asked you, but <laughs> peas are a wonderful, underrated
1: it's, onions. They're probably not so underrated, but onions. Peas are uh, funny. They're very, uh, there's a lot of people that hate peas. You. I post peas online and people get How very you upset. hate a pea. Uh,
0: no, they're pea so sweet. It's like a tomato or an egg. It's like they are a staple. Yeah, yeah. apparently were not. in my
1: growing up. Apparently not in the US. But Tell us about your cookbook. So uh, Andy Cook's The Cookbook, original name I know, but I think it was like the first one. Uh, and it's been a lot of hard work. I'm dyslexic, so I struggle with written language. Um, mm. So it took a lot of work for me to get stuff pen to paper. But I'm, I'm really proud of it. It was shot in Melbourne by a fantastic photographer called Mark Roper. Uh, and the whole team that worked on it has been incredible Um and it should, be, oh, it should be arriving in Australia and New Zealand this month. So it's very exciting.
0: Fantastic. I look forward to getting it. Um, some quick fires. Yeah. You could fly anywhere in the world on that private jet. Mm. What's your restaurant you're going to? Oh, that's a good question. Uh,
1: well, well, if you don't know the answer, I certainly don't. <laughs> I've always wanted to eat at uh, 11 Madison, which is a pretty famous restaurant in New York. So let's go right. there.
0: What are they, what sort of style is that? What are we getting there?
1: Oh, it's, that's very, you know, top restaurant in the world vibes, you know, lots of courses. I think they're actually vegan at the moment, which is kind of unusual for me, but, um, but they're, yeah, they're very cool restaurant.
0: Um, I, again, answering my own question, I've never been to any of them, right. But my perception is the place I want to go for food is Spain.
1: Oh, mate, I yes, think you've, you've I mean, it. just,
0: you know, there's yeah. 20 freaking amazing restaurants with – have you, you done any of that? I think you have. I feel like I've vaguely seen or heard that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've been to Spain and, and love it. Like, it's just such a good country. They're so chilled there. Um, but the food's phenomenal, right? They're just, just outstanding. And it's, it's a culture, right? Like, food's a culture. That's what we don't have down in this part of the world is that people stop and eat together, you know, like – it doesn't matter who, who they are, what they do for a work of life. You know, people will sit down and break bread together. And I, I just love that.
0: What would you change about Kiwi Aussie culture when it comes to food, if you could? I mean, I know you probably just answered it there, but you know, give us a sense
1: of that. Yeah, yeah. I think just appreciating uh, the, the celebration or the ritual of eating together more, you know. I think we we it's kind of gone aside and um and 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 starting to build a food food culture. You know we've got some fan, you know fantastic produce in New Zealand. Uh, you know there's some fantastic heritage with what the Maori did and and how they cooked. Let's let's try and learn from that and and, and elevate it and, and see you know what else we can do. I mean
0: Americans are an ultimate fast food culture basically mm. I mean know there are exceptions so it's interesting that you go so well there because you're countercultural to a lot of what America and its food industry has been about
1: yeah but America's a big country right you know and it's very diverse and and, mm. and there is still a big food culture there too so so yeah I think middle America is very fast food focused but there's still you know if you go to the likes of LA and New York the big the big kind of metropolitan cities there's a lot of it's not not too dissimilar to to Melbourne, Sydney, Auckland. What's the best restaurant you've ever been to? Oh, uh, or best experience? There's there's been so many. It's really hard to 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 to, to remember them all. I did ate at a restaurant called Sarai in Melbourne over the weekend. That was as a Filipino restaurant over fire by a really cool chef called Ross. That was that was phenomenal. A so resta- what's that pig? And yeah, kind of- lots of pork. Yep, yep. Um Kinilau, which is like ceviche, I guess you could call it. Um, yeah, lots of delicious, delicious food there. Uh, Gimlet in Melbourne is a really favourite restaurant of mine at the moment, classic kind of French-European bistro. Um, yeah, there's there's so many good restaurants that I've eaten. I'm very fortunate to have eaten at so many. Favourite foodie cities in the world? Or, uh, Barcelona, definitely. Uh, that's, you know, to, to tie into your Spanish comment earlier, uh, that's a pretty good foodie city, Sydney, at the moment. We were talking about that earlier. I think Sydney's a fantastic mm. food city at the moment. Um, but yeah, I haven't been to Europe in a while, so maybe I need to fire up that private jet and head over there soon. Um, your favourite go-to dish to cook? Uh, I'm coming around, not me,
0: because you don't need to impress me. But you know, someone you want to impress, um, and yeah, having them round, what are you? What are you going to do? That's that's um, a bit special.
1: If it's a bit more casual and it's like a nice day uh, and it's during the daytime, it's probably fire up the pizza oven and just do pizzas and some mm. salads. If it's nighttime, probably a really slow braised lamb shoulder, you know, some some mashed potato and some peas a la foncea. There you go, some, some French-style peas. Wonderful.
0: Wonderful. Um, your favourite – it's a different question to the last one. Your favourite dish to eat.
1: Oh, that's a good – my favourite dish to eat – it's probably like my favorite meal would probably be like a good steakhouse steak, like you know, like a proper steakhouse, you know, all the sides, uh, nice ribeye cooked on the bone. Me too, yeah. Me I'm, too. I'm a meat guy, really, even though oh. I was like, Oh, don't eat too much meat now. I'm like, uh, oh, eat a big, eat a big
0: steak. Uh, that's a problem. It's <laughs> an internal conflict in my life. <laughs> um, when do you reckon you'd go for a great steak? Uh,
1: there's, I mean, there's a few spots in Australia. The, to, to be, the truth is that there's some fantastic pubs that do good steaks in Australia. Um, the, but then you know, there's the classic. But even those, classes.
0: even those um, surf clubs in Aussie, are pretty yeah. good. Yeah, you know, the, at a higher level than, um, dare I say, what we see in New Zealand.
1: Yeah, the surf club culture is good, especially on the sunny coast. Is really good here, and, and they've kind of got the best. The best positions, right, for watching the sunset over the over the breaking waves. So it's a pretty good spot. The surf club culture, but not that
0: I'm not that I wish this on you, but you know you're on death row. It's your last meal mm. before they do something to you. Some say it should be a desert island meal, but you, you get the picture. What what are you having? Run me through the two or three or four courses.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's probably uh, it's probably starting with like a chicken liver pate or like a nice terrine or something like that. A bit of kind of French charcuterie, uh, and then yeah, rolling into into maybe a tomahawk, uh, you know, cooked over fire, some some really nice duck fat potatoes. Yeah, I, as much as I like, kind of like the fine dining, fancy stuff. I don't think it's like death row for me, you know. I think, and and even that, you know, I'll go to a fancy fine dining restaurant once or twice a year, and that's enough for me. I, I like yeah. I like a good service. Um, you know and well cooked food and you know and like two courses that's enough i don't i don't need 15 courses
0: so you are you were an entree or a dessert guy what's sort of better there
1: look i, I tell you what i, I was always an entree guy but recently uh, i gave up drinking about six years ago seven years ago and since i stopped drinking i've been i've turned into a dessert guy and i think it's because i'm not getting the sugars from the booze but yeah ah.
0: That's interesting. That's that probably says more about me than you. Actually, <laughs> it's a interesting. Well, it's interesting on this um, podcast. Uh, Generally, famous, we, um, I would say, a disproportionate number of our um, talent, mm. as they say in the game, um, are teetotal. Mm. Have either you know had a problem, or yep. just for a long time for whatever reasons haven't d- drunk mm. uh, alcohol. What's your story on that?
1: Yeah, no, I had a problem. I um, like most people in the industry, I was drinking too much, and and I was drinking every day, and it was affecting. um, It wasn't affecting my performance, I wouldn't say, but it was definitely affecting my relationships. Um, I realised that, so I tried to quit solo. It didn't really work very well, so I I checked myself into a rehab um, and did thirty days and. Haven't looked back since. I think. Uh, How long's that been? Uh, almost seven years now. Yeah. So. Mm. Um, good on you. Yeah. And, and it's, 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 nothing but a good thing. Like, and I, and I don't think it's for everyone. I think, don't think teetotals totals for everyone. But, um, it's, certainly for me, it's, you know, my performance in life is better. My, my relationships are better. You know, all, mm. every, it's nothing but positive. And I don't miss it at all. So. Cooking implement you couldn't do without a mandolin, which is like, a slicer takes you for the top of your fingers off, but yeah. But no, they're, uh. they're fantastic.
0: Um, the beer has a lot of scenes with them really <laughs> grating and cutting yeah, and yeah. going fast and causes a lot of anxiety <laughs> in myself. Favourite way to cook? Uh, over charcoal, over fire. Mm. Yeah. You've been out of New Zealand now, what, 20 years?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pushing 20 years. Not quite. but yeah. and,
0: and you sort of said it before. I mean, is it? In the end, for a top chef, is it is it a bit small for you? I mean, I might mean that in a bad way necessarily,
1: but what's your no, – Not necessarily. I think now – I mean, I could work anywhere in the world. That's so what I'm really lucky with this job. But uh, I think it's – I don't know. I always go to New Zealand. and love it when I go there. But uh, I think I've just built my, my home in Australia now and, and, you know, my partner's family's here. I'm really close with my partner. and, and Well, obviously really close with my partner, but I'm close with her family. It's, good. it's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, mate, like, like, the weather's good. I live on the sunny coast. It's the middle of winter. It's 8 a.m. and it's, like, 18 degrees. Like, you can't beat it. Yeah, no, that's right. What's the... Um- What's the future hold for you and
0: Caitlin? Um, is it a Netflix travel foodie show? Is it a little cafe by the beach? Is it global domination on the internet? What, what do you <laughs> Yeah, I reckon?
1: I think we're going to focus on the content for the next year and trying to improve that content. Uh, definitely some, um, you know, the early stages of some conversations happening with some of the bigger streaming services, but nothing set in stone, but would certainly be open to that type of thing. Um but the, the reality is that the the best business model for us is probably to keep it ourselves at this point and um, and just post it on YouTube. But we just need we just need people to go and watch the videos and you know like and subscribe and all that stuff so that we can continue to make them. So we, we're doing a series at the moment called Origins. We just posted our first one a few weeks ago on YouTube where we went to uh, we went to the Philippines and and really got under the skin of adobo uh, as much as we could, which you know really hard to do in a week, but. Uh, we're releasing another one of those on the Bar Me in Vietnam this Sunday, um, and then we've got another one filmed for uh, chicken rice from Singapore, and then we head to the States again at the end of the month to go and do the same with Texas barbecue and Nashville chicken, So, um, and then next year we'll go do some episodes in Europe, so I really like that kind of, I guess you kind of almost call it documentary style uh, content on on food history on particular dishes, so I'd love to keep exploring that, but you know, that's really expensive content to produce, as you can imagine, to fly a crew of people around the world. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to keep exploring that, but I think that probably sits better uh, either in a streaming service or on our own platforms. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting landscape, the media landscape at the moment, as I'm sure um, you guys are seeing as well. It's kind of changing pretty quickly. So
0: Yeah, but I think, you know, if you can get a job that combines Travel to exotic locales with great food. You're doing pretty well. Let's wrap up by asking the questions I ask every guest. We call this section general knowledge. Um, If you could be somebody else for a day, who would it be?
1: Uh, Probably Stephen Fry. I'm a huge Brilliant. Stephen Fry fan and I think That's I just I love the way he uses language and I'd love to be as advanced as him in the English language. So I think, yeah, he'd be an interesting person.
0: He's incredibly
1: smart and cerebral yes. guy, isn't
0: he? Yes. Um,
1: a little like you,
0: you, you and me, but, you know, <laughs> one yeah. senses the, the – the- the conversation could be somewhat more elevated. if he was here, we'd be we'd be throwing in Latin and g- Greek myths and and uh, and 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 scientific quotations. what's the um what's the most embarrassing moment you've had? I
1: have embarrassing moments like every day. I don't know. i I'm really bad with names and faces. so i I, I frequently there was a guy. We're building a new studio in the house here on the sunny coast at the moment and there was a gentleman that was on on the site building and I just walked up and introduced myself and I know this guy really well. I've had i I've cooked for him. Like he's he's eaten dinner with me and I, I cooked for his family. And I just I was tired and I just completely blanked and just didn't know who he was. That was pretty embarrassing. And it was like, Well you walk Are away you just from, sort of You've just got to feel your way into that. it. Happens to me every day. It's like, yeah. oh, it's
0: great to see you. Yeah. What have you been up to? <laughs> yeah, but, but then, and then I slowly you piece together where and how and what
1: yeah. you know this person from. I associated him with someone that was completely wrong, so I was like, oh, yeah, you know. Oh, he has the surf club, and he—he's not even a, a surf club <laughs> member. You know, and he was like, hmm. "Oh,
0: well, that's bad." What are you talking about? You really—you yeah, really st- mucked that or, one yeah, up, really mate. Stuff that I've done that a few times. <laughs> I was at this dinner. This, I'm sitting it's this, this this group of people that I've known a long time, and uh, uh, I won't just describe them in case they listen to generally famous <laughs> podcasts, but person. I I met them twenty times, yeah. right? And we're talking and talking, and I maybe I was tired. It probably wasn't at my best, and. About halfway through the evening, she said, you don't even know my name, do you? Like it was really, and it was, the issue was, I didn't. And I said, well, your husband's name is blah. And I said her husband's name. And I just, you know, I didn't think she needed to call me out like that. You know, I met a lot of people yeah, in politics. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's one of those sort of games. But anyway, it's not about me. If money was no object, what
1: are the first three things you'd buy? Oh, I'm, I'm a hopeless car guy. So I'd buy, and it's not because I like to flex. It's just because I love cars. So it'd be like a an F40 Ferrari, probably a McLaren uh, F1, and I don't know, an old Alfa Romeo or something like that. Yeah. Just cars. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Famous actor who'd play you in the movie of your life? Oh, that's a tough one. Who, who do you who do you pick? Do you go like do you go like someone who's really attractive, or maybe someone who's a bit more interesting? Maybe Keanu Keanu Reeves. He's a pretty interesting dude. Rides motorbikes. I like motorbikes.
0: Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. I could see it. Yeah. Not really, but you know, it's, it's okay. I mean, you know, put you next to Keanu. I mean, I if I lost sort of thirty kgs, I could. You could see, yeah. I could possibly do a piano, but um, no disrespect, Andy, but I don't see that for nah. you. But that's that's cool. That that's who you chose. Um, if you could choose to stop aging at any age, which would you choose?
1: Are we talking like vanity or or intelligence? Well, you inter- if it's- you interpret the question any way you want, Andy. I, I reckon later. I reckon like I reckon I. I don't reckon I've hit my peak. I reckon forty five, and I'll be. That's yeah. actually fantastic.
0: Yeah. Well, Andy Cooks, uh, it's great to talk to you. I've really enjoyed it. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you, Simon. Likewise.
0: You've been listening to Generally Famous, the Stuff Podcast. There's a new episode every Wednesday. You can listen to them all at stuff.co.nz slash generallyfamous wherever you get your podcasts. In fact, if you follow us on Apple or Spotify, any of the podcast apps, in fact, you'll get the latest episode automatically. Sounds good, right? Thanks to my producers, Chris Reid and Jen Black and audio editor, John Ropihar. I'm Simon Bridges. I really appreciate you listening. If you liked listening to this pod, help us make more like this. Visit stuff.co.nz/support.